Hi, welcome to You Philosopher. In this series, I would like to talk with you about ideas, and I would like to use philosophy as a tool to help us explore things that we're exposed to all the time, popular culture, films, TV, um, ethical questions that arise, current events, politics, things that we look at um, kind of through our normal everyday experience, maybe without even a second glance. And I'd like to stop and take a look at them and look at them even more deeply. Um, this isn't a lecture on philosophy. Um, there's some great ones out there that help explain what it is and what it does. This is an application of it. And in that, really what it comes down to is what we mean is being willing to ask questions about things that we didn't really realize were actually possible questions. Kind of to look at things in a, in, in a childlike sense, to be willing to go, well, wait, why? And so to watch a movie and go, oh, that was a cool film, but what did it mean? That next step of, well, does it mean anything about my life? Does it mean anything about society? What is it saying about us as a whole? And in doing this, I'm, I'm hoping that you might actually find philosophy a useful tool. In other words, that that kind of willingness to engage in questions and look at things from multiple perspectives um, is something that I, I'm concerned is actually being lost and that philosophers haven't done a good job of actually explaining, well, here's why this is actually valuable to you. You are actually philosophers. You didn't know it. Hence the title of the, uh, of the series. And so here's how we do this. And so the first thing that I would like to start off with for this, our first episode, is to talk about conversation. In other words, I'm kind of forwarding the idea that conversation about this kind of material is worthwhile in the first place. And that's assuming that conversation, in fact, is actually a good thing. But is it? Is it necessarily a good thing? And, and it seems obvious that it is sometimes, right? And and I don't obviously I, I don't just mean like like sitting down and having a pleasant conversation with someone. I mean conversation with people with whom we disagree. And hopefully there will be times, if not already now, where you disagree with me, and then we can have a conversation about that. But what's the value in that? And there's always the stock answers. You know, well, if you understand someone else's position, you can argue against them even better, so on and so forth. But I really kind of want to want to get into the meat of that a little bit because I think it's particularly relevant given the most recent election. There's been a lot of tension, not just after the election, but before it. And I think a lot of that tension isn't just about the candidates, but it's about us. And what if some of that tension is the fact that we really just don't understand where the people on the other side are coming from? And there's, they seem so alien to us that having a conversation with them just immediately results in a fight. So that ends up being maybe the first reason why we're concerned about having conversations, right? Is this, well, we're gonna fight, right? So um, there's things you don't talk about at the dinner table, right? Um, and there are, uh, and, and we should just, at the very least, let's just agree to disagree. And, and notice we've been getting even worse at that idea. So I would like to suggest that we are not good pract practitioners of conversation and the result is fighting. And to try and prevent the fighting, we say, well, let's just agree to disagree. And I'd like to take issue with that. I'm not sure we should agree to disagree because when we do that, we're kind of saying, okay, whatever your position is, that's fine. I don't get it. I'm not gonna get it. 
you're clearly not going to get where I'm coming from. Because if you got where I come, was coming from, you'd agree with me. And I think that might be where we're a little bit off. Just because we understand someone doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to agree with them. So, what is the real problem with conversation then? I mean, because we can just go, well, I'm just not going to fight. I'll talk with people. I'll listen. But I think part of the worry is that these kinds of conversations require compromise on multiple levels. And that's where it gets really tense for us, right? Not only do we need to compromise in terms of what if they present an idea that causes us to change our minds and we don't want to, but also it's sometimes it's a compromise to even talk with that person in the first place. In other words, we disagree with them so vehemently like they seem so wrong to us that just sitting down with that other person to have the conversation and not getting mad at them, that is already compromising. And that, that particular issue right there seems to be one that is kind of easy to go, well, I mean, we should just be able to have a conversation. Why, why can't we do that? But if you look at the current political and social kind of spectrum of what's happening, we really, really have a tendency now to believe that there's just people over that, that are just whatever that whatever side you're on, that the people on the other side, they're completely nuts. In fact, they, we might even be describing them as evil. And believe me, I get it. I'm, I'm not really going to discuss my own political leanings or my own personal beliefs because I think that philosophers are better positioned to ask questions sometimes than they are to give answers. And... Our conversation is a little bit less safe if I'm not telling you what to believe, but instead posing posing thoughts that you probably already had, but now we can converse about them. And I'm not trying to convince you of something, but I have already kind of have to, I kind of have to already renege on that, don't I? Because I am trying to convince you of the value of conversation. Um, but what if I'm wrong? And it might well be the, the case that I am. In other words, compromise which may result from our conversations might actually be a really bad thing. Um, there's the fairly obvious definition of compromise in terms of, well, I've come to understand uh, your aims, you've understand mine. These are the, the parts of your demands that I can't live with. These are the parts of my demands that you can't live with, etc. Um, so let's find that middle ground position. We'll kind of cut off the rest of it. And this is our compromise. That's the middle ground. And that seems like a great idea. Like, okay, we're going to work together. We're going to compromise. We'll find that, that middle positioning. Well, we've gotten really, really, really bad at that. And, but is it always necessarily a bad thing to not be compromising? Because the other definition of compromise, at least one of the other definitions, hinges on the idea of weakness. And I don't just mean that we view other people who compromise as weak, because that ends up being unfortunately true. We do tend to think of people who are willing to kind of reach across the aisle as being weak people. But why? Well, because it's embedded in one of the definitions of compromise is the idea that it is actually weakening. In other words, uh, to weaken the integrity of a thing, to weaken the structure of a thing. So if I talk about the hull of a ship has been compromised, I mean, it's leaking, right? It is breaking down in some sense. So in other words, what if there are some things that are so true that are so important, they're so deeply cherished, that to compromise even a little of it isn't just to lead to giving up a mile's worth, but that little of it is already too much. 
that giving up that much has already compromised the entire um, system. It's already created an unforgivable weakness. And well, you go, well, well, Nick, that's a little bit extreme. I mean, everyone should be able to, to give in a little bit, right? I mean, come on. But I mean, think about a circumstance where someone wants to like shoot a bunch of children, right? And uh, I mean, do we really want to compromise with that person about the number of children they should shoot, right? Like, oh, well, you want to shoot 10. How about nine? Or could I get you down to two? Like one, one is problematic. One is not like that's one is too much. One is precious. So should we compromise that? So I'm not at the end going to say that compromise is always good. I'm going to have to leave that to you to make a decision about that. But I can say that it's hard to know what we're going to compromise on or if we should, if we don't actually talk with other people. Conversation is the means by which to figure out whether or not we're actually compromising anything in the first place, whether or not we should make the compromise, whether or not it's... Uh, a bad compromise in terms of it's compromised the integrity of our belief set, so on and so forth. But how do we know that if we don't converse about it? And you might go, well, why do I have to talk with other people to know, in fact, that I don't want to have to give this belief up? Okay, all right, fair enough. But notice number one, when we're sure that we're right and we're unwilling to talk with other people because it might result in us compromising that belief, or we just don't want to have to waste our time with it, or we just know we're right, there's no point in having the conversation. How do we know that we know we're right? Which seems like a silly question, because you know you're right, so why do you need to talk with anyone else about it? But um, there is something to be said for the fact that there's a lot of people who have known they were right from their perspective, and we believe that they're very, very, very wrong. You know, so they, not, not to take a too kind of obvious and cliche example, but you know, the Adolf Hitlers of the world, I mean, Hitler believed he was right. I mean, that's part of why he was able to motivate so many people, because the intensity and the passion of his belief that he was right made people go, wow, this guy is onto something. So just believing that one is right does not make one right. So how do I know that I'm right? Well, we tend to say to people, you want, you, you should listen to other people and have conversations. That way you can hear their argument and then you can find the weaknesses in their argument. You can understand it. And you can hold your own position better as if we're. I mean, as if the goal of every argument is obviously just to convince the other person that they're wrong, but that's impossible. You can't actually ever climb into someone else's head and make them believe what you believe. Now, that's not to say that through our conversations, we may not convince other people, but if we're really honest with ourselves, what happens is they convince themselves. We forward ideas, we forward thoughts, and then they go, oh, and then they use those ideas and thoughts to change stuff in their way of thinking, which is why it's entirely possible that we can forward that same grade of line of thinking and that same great line of argumentation to two different people who have the same exact belief set, but just respond to conversations differently. And one goes, oh, that was a great idea. I hadn't thought about that. Let me restructure things. And the other goes, I'm sorry, I don't want to hear what you're talking about. You're an idiot. And so one is going to change their mind and the other one isn't. And it has nothing to do with your argument. It has to do with whether or not they're willing to listen to the idea. In other words, people change their own minds. And so I'd like to forward to you that the reason to go into conversations is actually to change one's mind. In other words, and, and, I, and, I, and I get it, I realize that that sounds kind of insane, but if you can't change other people's minds, the fact remains we can change our own. 
I can change my own mind. I'm really the only person who can actually do it. And like I assume many people, and I could be wrong about this, I really hate being wrong. I mean, that's part of why I went into philosophy in the first place. So when someone else helps show me that I'm wrong, it's funny that I'm not more inclined to just being like, oh, thanks. Instead, it's more like, ah, you know, why, uh, oh, you embarrassed me in front of my students. And I, I try to make a real conscious effort to while to being like embarrassed and worried about whether or not I can maintain power in the classroom or whatever, to be grateful for the fact that now I know some more. I'm a little bit less ignorant than I was before. So what if we went into our conversations actually with the goal of the, of the other person proving us right? In other words, we gave them every benefit of the doubt that we could. And we really let it sink in. And well, if it turns out that we were wrong, great. We can be grateful. And if it turns out that we're not, well, great. Then we can feel more confident that we've really honestly tested our beliefs. In other words, I think conversation isn't valuable just so you can understand to prove other people wrong. I think it's actually valuable to help make us more correct if we're willing to do it in the one way that we actually can change minds. In other words, if we go into it willing to kind of change our own minds. There are concerns about this. Not everyone's going to agree, right? Um, there have been people, and there's been a strong movement in the United States to move away from compromise because we do feel that it can be compromising, that it can result in um, us giving up deeply cherished beliefs. I mean, famously, John Boehner did this. And we tend to be on either side of the coin, right? Where we're either going, yeah, Mr. Boehner, good for you. Stick to your guns. Don't let those Democrats change it. Or we're going, you're a monster. Why wouldn't you work with the other half of the government? What are you thinking? And you realize that neither is a particularly good answer if what we're hoping to do is become more correct. Those are only good responses if we're already sure that we're right. If we go, yes, that's great. Don't compromise. That's because we know that we're right. If we go, what's wrong with you? You need to compromise. It's probably because we're already sure that we're right and that he needs to change his belief set. Well, one of the things that we can do is ask ourselves, should he compromise? Let me try and understand his position. Maybe from that positioning, he has real good reason not to. And how can I try and understand that? So this brings us back to that original thought of does actually understanding mean that we have to agree? And if it makes it easier for us to engage in conversations where we're really willing to try and change our own minds, it's important to remember that just because we understand where someone comes from, and that's what conversation can provide us with, doesn't mean that we actually end up having to agree with them. In fact, this is actually a problem that we have in some of our pop culture. Take a film like Maleficent, for instance. So you have this fantastic Dis Disney villain who's like the number one Disney villain of all time. And she's wonderfully evil. I mean, obviously she'd be horribly evil if it was in real life, but she's this fantastic character. And I was incredibly excited when they decided to make a movie about her because then you get this backstory. And we like to do that with our villains sometimes. Like you have this horrible character and you want to know what led them to where they are. The result of it was that not only did we see where she was coming from, 
But because we understood where she was coming from, there seemed to be this need to make her not as much of a villain by the end. She kind of reneges on her evil ways and goes back and fixes everything, et cetera, et cetera. As if it isn't possible for someone to be understandable but still wrong. I mean, what if it's actually possible to go, no, I get why you became evil. However, don't be evil. I get why you've made these decisions. But at the end of the day, those were the wrong decisions to make. I understand your reasoning. That does not mean that I have to agree with it. And I think if we recognize that as well, that gives us all the more reason to have these conversations. In other words, if we're not just going into it to change someone else's mind, well, our frustration is much less already because when we come out of it and they haven't changed their mind, we're not surprised because you can't actually make someone else change their mind. And they're probably not going to do it in front of us anyways, because that kind of like gives up a bit of a power position. Maybe they'll go home and think about it or whatever. You may never know that it impacted them at all. But in addition to that, when we have that conversation, maybe we realize that ourselves that actually, oh, we were wrong and we actually can change something about that. And that's actually super exciting. And at the very least, we can understand where they're coming from. We get it. We don't agree, but we go, oh, you're not just a monster. And that's honestly my major worry right now in politics, is, is that it's really, really easy to look at people who are on the other side and go, you, you, they've, they've, they have to have sold their soul. If a soul exists, this person has sold it because there's no way that someone could be an advocate of those policies without either being evil or an idiot. Well, maybe not. If we try and understand where they're coming from, well, number one, maybe we'll find out we were wrong. Number two, maybe if we understand where they're coming from, we will actually be able to give them more evidence and help convince them of their wrongheaded ways. But at the very least, I like to think that it would result in, in less violence and less anger and less hate. And I realize that's a little whimsical, but it would be nice if we gave people the benefit of the doubt. And I don't mean give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of their ability to be president or not. I mean benefit of the doubt that there are at least people with whom we disagree, that we really see on the other side, who actually aren't intending evil. And that can be hard to believe. But it's called the principle of charity. And we use it in argumentation in that we give the other person the benefit of the doubt in terms of we consider their argument from the strongest position. Well, in practical life, not only might we consider considering their argument from the strongest position, that way when we're addressing it, we're not addressing a weaker version, we're really addressing the real thing, but that we are also considering it from a position of kindness and compassion and not just assuming that they want to do horrible things with their position. Because the fact is, is they probably don't think that they do. Whatever their positioning is, they probably don't think that they're actually in the evil position. They probably think that you are. And so if we go, okay, wherever this person is coming from, there's an excellent chance that their heart is in the right place. Everything else that they're doing might be wrong after that, but they probably actually think this is the right thing to do. So why? How can I better understand that? Now, I'm not really sure that I can convince people that that is a particular valuable thing to do. I'm not sure that it even wins many arguments. But 
if you look at the current circumstance that we're going through now, it's an alternative. It's an alternative to the fights and the arguments and the desperation that a lot of people are experiencing in terms of not being heard and not being understood. We might be wise to start doing some more listening. And that, I realize that's a funny thing to say for a guy who's been talking for 20 minutes and 15 seconds. But to kind of tie it all up and to bring it back all together, what we're talking about is whether or not it's actually even worthwhile to discuss things that we think we already know are true and things that we're already sure are in fact right. And whether or not we should be willing to talk with people when that seems to require a compromise on our, on our part. And it seems like there's multiple sides to that coin. And there's a lot of reasons to go into it. But the only way for us to know that, the only way for us to know that there are those multiple sides to that coin is to engage in the conversation in the first place. So with that, I would like to leave you and uh, I look forward to our next conversation. Please, by all means, uh, share your, your thoughts and your objections with me um, at philosophylives at gmail.com and I will do the best I can to address your thoughts and concerns and your disagreements. Have a great day.